Hello everyone, welcome back to Duel the Takes. I'm feeling extra groggy. Uh, it's the end of the year. This is our season two finale. Uh, we are doing probably the most just out there bracket, maybe in the history of the show. This is every movie that has won an episode of our show over the year 2021 going head to head in honestly, probably one of the just strangest uh seedings uh of all time some of these movies i feel like it feels like we reviewed them like years ago yeah yeah this has been a really long year i cannot believe some of these matchups it's it's absolutely upsetting <laughs> very first round we got sound of metal versus smart house I can't think of two more opposite <laughs> movies. We've got Riz Ahmed's Academy Award nominated movie uh, where he plays a drummer that is uh, going deaf uh, up against a Disney Channel original movie, perhaps the greatest Disney Channel original movie of all time. I think that the fact that it's the greatest Disney Channel original movie of all time doesn't uh, doesn't save it from going up against this powerhouse of a film. Is it a powerhouse of a film? I don't know. If we put it up against some of the best films of this year, like, does it stack up? Like, if we throw Sound of Metal into when we eventually do the best movies of 2021, does it even make the top five? Like, is it better than Dune? No. Is it better than, like, Green Knight? No. Why am I blanking on other movies? Is it <laughs> but personally, Sound of Metal made me extremely emotional, and it's it was such a well-made movie. Like, I don't have any real criticisms of it. I don't... Obviously, there's some movies it doesn't hold a candle to, but I don't think that it, it deserves a, a matchup against Smart House. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, Smart House has endured with uh, generations now at this point. Like, I feel like you ask any millennial or Gen Zer if about Smart House, they probably got something to say. I feel like everyone I know that has seen Sound of Metal has forgotten it exists with a f without a except like a, a small handful of people that like really love it. I'm in that handful. I feel like the staying power of Sound of Metal is not huge. I think part of that too might just be Riz Ahmed's like output of good movies. He's done like three other great movies since then. Like Venom. What list did Sound of Metal win? One are movies of 2020. Uh, like, first episode of the year. Which had Wonder Woman 84 in the list. I think it has staying power over Smart House. I think that, sound, it like, I, I don't know. But I, I can appreciate Smart House. I, I personally love Smart House. I just can't. <laughs> it's just this matchup is so fucking bonkers. <laughs> Alden, where are you in, in this debate? Uh, I mean, I don't really care for Smart House, so I'm gonna say Sound of Metal. Okay. <laughs> I think Sound of Metal makes sense. I gave Smart House the best I could. Sound of Metal moves on. Up next, we've got The Prestige, which won our Christopher Nolan list, versus Eddie Murphy's Coming to America, which won our Eddie Murphy top 10 uh, These video. These very uh, grounded psychological thrillers. <laughs> Again, a very, a very dichotomous matchup, like, holy shit. I mean, I love both of these movies, but for very, very different reasons. Yeah, exactly. I think the prestige in that Nolan episode is an important episode in Duel to Takes History, though, because that is one of the rare episodes where we all saw every movie on the list. And for the prestige to win that with all of our shitty different opinions says a lot. I'm really surprised that this won the Nolan list because like I, I like this movie a lot, probably more than some people do. I don't understand how it made the top of the Nolan list. I personally think it's his best movie. From start to finish, I have less 
to like even the dark knight even inception even like other movies that are like seen as nolan's masterpieces there's about like 20 things that i'm like "Mm, i could be really nitpicky and like get into this like I, i don't like that but everything in the prestige seems so intentional and it has such a strong like third act that you want to go back and watch it almost immediately Whereas I feel like other Nolan movies kind of, there's like less to come back to every time when it comes to the third act. And The Prestige just, Coming to America is a great comedy. I would say probably one of the best comedies of the 80s. But for me, this is a no-brainer. It's The Prestige. It is. I'm just I'm just commenting on how far it made on the Nolan list. Because like, I, I you know, you put up a good point, specifically with like Dark Knight and Inception. There are things that I can nitpick and be like, eh, well, and then compared to just like the things I can nitpick in The Prestige, I really can't. And I've actually I've watched the Prestige multiple times. I think I've seen Nolan's movies like as a as a filmography connection. And they're all connected. I've seen his movies like each one of them more than once, more than I've watched any other filmmakers' movies more than once. Even though he's probably not my favorite, my favorite like auteur. Yeah, this isn't really a competition, but Coming to America deserves recognition. It's a great one. Uh, Alden, are you also on the side of the Prestige, or are you are you fighting for Coming to America? Unfortunately, I would like to apologize to Eddie Murphy, but no, I'm on the side of the Prestige. It's okay. There's another Eddie Murphy movie you can fight for on this bracket. Oh, I know. That was ominous. Alrighty, the Prestige. Moves on. Up next, a little animated feature round. We've got the Angry Birds movie, which was uh, our Josh Gad, uh, the last great actor's best movie up against the Disney post-Renaissance ranked Lilo and Stitch. Like I, I've said this in, in lists before, this is not a competition. I think the first two... <laughs> I think you're right this time. The first two matchups before this one were more of a competition. It, just like on like nostalgia level, this one is disgusting. Uh, Lilo and Stitch has everything going for it, and Angry Birds has almost nothing going for it. Angry Birds has half the sequels. <laughs> My case in point. God, these next two rounds are just such bonkers. All right, so we're all we're all in for Lilo and Stitch, correct? Yeah, yeah. Stitch is awesome. Yeah. Perhaps our strangest uh, our strangest matchup to date. We've got we've got Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest, uh, which won our Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards best uh, movie of all time up against the the top of our VeggieTales tier list, Josh and the Big Wall. Both of these have uh have epic action. I love that, like, Josh and the Big Wall has a runtime of, like, 20 minutes, and it's against a movie with probably one of the longest runtimes on the bracket. It's I think it's, like, two hours and, like, 45 minutes. I was just gonna point that out, how you mentioned that before we started, and it's, like, the funniest thing that they're up against each other right now. <laughs> I mean, they're both epics. They're in, in, in scope, and in action. This is this is intense. Is there a real take for Josh and the Big Wall, though? Because I haven't seen it. I've, I've, I've watched a bunch of VeggieTales, but this is not one that has grazed my eyes. I think it might be the funniest episode of VeggieTales. Uh, in, in my VeggieTale-hating opinion, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, this episode is hilarious. Like, the writing on this episode, for some reason, was really, really good. Anybody... I think could find that episode funny. This episode is like I think just a genuine, well-written piece of film. So, so what, uh, Alden? Why are we going with Josh and the Big Wall instead of Demand's Chest? Why are we going with it? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I watched Dead Man's Chest like yesterday. What'd you think? It's incredible. Isn't it? <laughs> I love that movie. It's I'm never watching Josh and the Big Wall again. Probably either my favorite or second favorite Pirates movie. Black Pearl will probably always win for me just because it gets the Pirates formula perfect in every movie after it fucks it up. But Dead Man's Chest comes really close. That was a take I don't like, but... I 100% agree with your take. Yeah, no. I, I, and the visual effects are crazy because they still hold up to this day and a lot of them from that era do not... And you can still look at Davy Jones and be like, that looks photo real. I mean, I think the animation in VeggieTales holds up just as much. If you told me <laughs> that Josh and the Big Wall was animated in the Unreal 5 engine, I <laughs> wouldn't hesitate. I mean, the <laughs> <laughs> Josh and the Big Wall does have really catchy songs, though. It's one of the early episodes of the show, and I feel like it probably holds a special place in a lot of people's heart. But, I mean, compared to Gore Verbinski's masterpiece, I mean, yeah. I think Dead Man's Chest uh, deserves the victory here. We're back. Way back in, what was it, April? Uh, we did... That might have been, like, March. <laughs> right around Easter, we did uh, a live-action Martin Scorsese ranked, and uh, it was it was the day that shall live in infamy as Jory didn't show up, and uh, we had a tie for the first time in Duel of the Takes History at the number one spot, specifically to sort it out right now at the very end of the year. The two winners of the Martin Scorsese movies ranked was The Wolf of Wall Street versus Goodfellas, and today, we're going to sort it out once and for all. Which is the better Martin Scorsese movie? Uh, this is a fucking no-brainer in my opinion, and I know I'm in the minority with my choice. Where do you guys all rest? I feel like by saying that, we know Nate is in the Goodfellas camp. Saying no-brainer, though, is kind of offensive to how great The Wolf of Wall Street is, though. Like, I get it's the film bro take, and it's like, it's everybody's choice for one of the most overrated movies of the past ten years. Like, I get all that. But, have you gone back to watch Wolf of Wall Street lately? It's great. It is entertaining from start to finish, and yeah, I could say the exact same thing about Goodfellas. It's going to come down to extremely nitpicky things to pick one or the other to me. I I don't know. I think I'm going to take a point away from Wolf of Wall Street because like propagandistically it gets it wrong. I feel like you're not supposed to side with him, but you do. I don't know. That's kind of what I like about it. So I'm going to say Goodfellas. I, I, I've seen both of these movies uh, multiple times, and there's one of them that I prefer over the other. And as much as I would love to side with the base take of Goodfellas, I have to pick Wolf of Wall Street because I enjoy it more. Seeing people with their Instagram bios having both entrepreneur half the time spelled wrong in their Instagram bio and a quote from Wolf of Wall Street, I just don't want to give it support to. But in the same way that the community doesn't ruin Rick and Morty for me, uh, the, 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 the community doesn't ruin Wolf of Wall Street for me. I think that it's so entertaining. And if I had to pick one of these to watch over again, I'd pick that one. I would watch both of these movies really anytime though. True, true, true. I'm saying if I had to pick one right now. I mean, I don't want to entirely discredit Wolf of Wall Street here because I do think it's a fantastic movie. Do I think it's a little overrated? Uh, absolutely. But I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is really, really great in the role as Jordan Belford. Uh, I think that the overall tone is probably the best thing it has going for it. I think it's very, very brilliantly uh, directed where it makes this lifestyle of being a Wall Street like embezzlement scheme 
uh, look like a lot of fun, showing like the highs and lows of of that like high end stakes, uh, uh, like essentially gambling with other people's money. It, it feels so similar to Goodfellas for me on the premise of how the story plays out and like the like the plot points that it hits like if you were to line these movies up with like a plot mountain every major story beat that's in the wolf of wall street is in goodfellas more or less i feel like the reason why goodfellas has the lasting impact it does was for creating the modern mob movie the godfather and the godfather part two but those are presented so much in a I don't want to say stylist, uh, styleless form because they're very stylized movies, but it, it almost uh, feels like you're watching like a documentary or like a reenactment of events that happened. And the way that Goodfellas specifically uses the language of film and having the kind of the voiceovers and the freeze frames and all the same techniques that the Wolf of Wall Street uses is why that movie, I think, critically is so well received. It's the same kind of movie, but 25 years before, I just have to lean with Goodfellas because Goodfellas changed the game and made and paved the way for so many movies like the Wolf of Wall Street. I will say if I had to pick like which one I think is a better movie or which one has like uh, you know, a more unique editing style to it. I mean, The Wolf of Wall Street's kind of the new modern version of uh, this, like, prestigious kind of, of Oscar bait in terms of, I, I think, like, Adam McKay's movies definitely lean very much into The Wolf of Wall Street's style and presentation. Uh, so it's impactful in a new way, but all of the things that stand out to Wolf of Wall Street for me as a, as a film have their ties back in Goodfellas. The way crime is depicted in Goodfellas, of how it starts off like, yeah, this is like the perfect thing for the character to be doing, to then seeing like, holy cow, this has destroyed not only just his life, his family's life, the lives of everyone else associated with it, but the lives of the average person in the city as well. You don't really get that same impact in The Wolf of Wall Street. It's not like you're seeing these people that Jordan Belfort is screwing over. Uh, and, and I think that that's why it leans too much into like the douchebaggy uh, frat boy kind of aesthetics as much as it does. I, I don't know. This is Goodfellas for me, and uh, it's without hesitation. Let's just see where it comes to as a vote. I might prefer to just pick Wolf of Wall Street to watch over Goodfellas, but I, I think Goodfellas existing is, is probably a better note, so I'm siding with Goodfellas still. Well, actually, if I remember correctly, Noah had Goodfellas at number one, right? Yeah. For Noah, for one of our best guests in the history of Duel the Takes, who I'm sure we'll have on again in season three, his number one. Let's have it move on. I'm here for it. That's fine. Do you guys think that Leonardo DiCaprio should have won his Oscar for The Wolf of Wall Street instead of uh, anything else? I think that that was the first time he showed the fact that he should win an Oscar. I don't know if that's the one he should have won an Oscar for, but I think that's like like one of the major... Because like he was too young before... By the time Wolf of Wall Street came out, his performance in that was so good. Uh, like the the Quaalude sequence by itself, I think proves that he probably should have gotten an Oscar for that. But the one, hey, what, what did he, what did he win an Oscar for? Was it Revenant? Yeah. No, he won it for Revenant. Like, what what did he do special in the Revenant to like warrant an Oscar? Revenant didn't, but I think Revenant was kind of the good excuse to give him one. My mom's a bear. <laughs> He definitely was showing his strength as early as What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, but he was too young then. 
Now we have two other movies that should have won Oscars. <laughs> We've got the winner of the Dr. Seuss movies uh, ranked with Michael from Movies and Milk, The Cat in the Hat, versus Nicholas Rorman's all-time favorite movie, The Blues Brothers. These are both comedies. <laughs> I, I was obsessed with Blues Brothers as a kid. I, like, had their album. That's surprising to me. I had the Blues Brothers on uh, on a CD as a kid, and I put it in my alarm clock because my alarm clock had, clock had a CD player. I would listen to the album so much that actually when the alarm would wake me up, it would start on the first track, and the first track of the album was them tuning up their music. And so I would wake up when I would hear... And I'd, I'd hear them just like pl- tuning up the music and I'd wake up to that. I wouldn't even wake up to the music. I, I love the Blues Brothers. And this is a little embarrassing. It took me until like uh, like late, late high school to learn that the Blues Brothers was actually originally like a comedy band. Because <laughs> I didn't know who the actors were that played the characters. And I didn't know that it originally started out. I think it's like an SNL skit. But their music is genuinely good, unironically. And the movie is fucking hilarious. Um, every part of it is great. Um, I love The Cat in the Hat. I'm a huge fan, but it's a fucking dumpster fire garbage masterpiece of a movie. It falls in the same camp as like Shark Boy and Lava Girl for me, which I love. It's one of my favorite movies, but we're not talking about Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I'm picking Blues Brothers. Yeah, I'm kind of at a crossroads because I think like I think the Blues Brothers is definitely the the better movie. Like, I think that like what you were saying with the music, like it's a functional road trip musical comedy and they simply just don't really make movies like blues brothers anymore but the cat in the hat is one of those movies that should not have worked and critically it did not but i think it has aged so well in terms of like modern audiences sensibilities and like what modern audiences look for in absurdist humor and I love the visuals, and I wish that the director didn't, like, get soft blacklisted because of the quality of this movie, because I think it's Cat in the Hat is secret Kino. Very, very funny, but, I mean, this this is tough, because I think Blues Brothers has simultaneously way, way, way more staying power, but also, I'm, I was surprised to hear that you, lo- like, grew up with this movie, John, because I feel like there's less and less people nowadays that I feel like have even seen Blues Brothers. It's like, there's so much to love about it. I, I believe it was at the time, it had like the largest like like uh, demolition of cars, the list. Like it was like the most cars destroyed in a movie. All the action is great. And then you've got all like the social commentary, like about like Nazis at the time and uh, like the church and, and everything about it. But it also, it's, it remains like a cynical comedy, which is great, uh, a hallmark of the times. But also it, it I believe it has that staying power and it kind of upsets me that most people haven't seen this movie nowadays because it's like it's so iconic you've got young dan Aykroyd and young john belushi john belushi at perhaps his best yeah i think it's between this and animal house their their dynamic between each other is amazing i just love coked up carrie fisher in this movie trying to literally kill dan Aykroyd like she's in a fucking tom and jerry movie the entire time (laughs) but she gets the rocket launcher and like all this shit's hitting the fan i'm like what the fuck it's so over the top and in the same way cat in the hat is so over the top i actually i love like the the set design and the art design of Cat in the Hat. I, I do agree Cat in the Hat's probably secret Kino, but I, I have to side with Blues Brothers on a, on a nostalgia factor, but also on like a, I believe that Blues Brothers is more accessible, but Blues Brothers is like accessible to 
almost anybody. Yeah. Josh, Alden, where are you guys leaning? This is nothing against Sakula, but I'm picking Cat in the Hat, because the only reason why Blues Brothers got on here is because of Nicholas Warman, and I can't physically give that man more credit, so I have to pick Cat in the Hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check out So Far So Good. Their content is great, and I think they've done a great job of shifting some of their comedy sketches over to TikTok. So if you don't want to open up YouTube, and you can just find them there, and uh, they got great stuff. Yeah, they're great, but I can't let Nick win. <laughs> Alden, where are you at? I'd like to point out that a lot of what uh, Sakula said about Blues Brothers does also apply to Cat in the Hat. In what way? Please elaborate, I'm begging. Cat in the Hat, its separate universe, did kind of make some commentary on the world that it was released in. Okay. It does not have record-breaking car destruction, but it does have the slow. Bryce Dallas Howard's father's How the Grinch Stole Christmas set design is probably the best part of that movie. And then Cat in the Hat, even turns that set design up to a hundred where it has all these different environments. Um, a lot of it is practical. Yeah. By the end, it's this big CGI mash, but it's still a lot of fun visually. I like when he plugs like universal, just like the rides at universal. (laughs) 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 Love that freeze frame. Yeah. It's got great bits like that, that maybe people that weren't fans of the Grinch, like that movie should have had more things. And maybe they skipped the cat in the hat because they didn't like the Grinch. But I feel like they're the cat in the hat might be that movie they were looking for. I love the Grinch. The live action Grinch is, is a, like a a great movie to me i fucking i watched it almost every christmas i don't think it's obviously as good as the animated one but it's not fair to compare them if you enjoyed the grinch then you should enjoy this if you didn't enjoy the grinch then you would not enjoy that you should ask nathaniel r martin that really nate Uh, i hate the live action grinch i i do appreciate certain elements of it but i feel like it's like visually too dark for the world of the grinch which might, may sound like an odd take, but I, I love that everything looks like it's shot on a soundstage. And like when you go back to a lot of like Burton-esque movies, uh, like like you're looking at whether it be Edward Scissorhands or or to an even greater extent, things like uh, Batman 89 and uh, Batman Returns. I love that that look of this doesn't feel like I'm in a real environment. It feels like this is all a soundstage or maybe even like a theme park attraction. And the entirety of Ron Howard's The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, it's just got these like colored lights and everything's underexposed and it it doesn't feel Seussian to me. Whereas Cat in the Hat, everything about that production design feels like a blend between the aesthetics of a Tim Burton movie mixed with the tone of the color palette, the the flat lighting of what I like picture Dr. Seuss backgrounds and, and environments coming to life. What you have listed are the reasons that I like both of them. I like the live action Grinch because it feels weird and wrong. I love that. It feels weird and dystopian and wrong and 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 I love that about it. I just don't know why they had to Blade Runner the fuck out of <laughs> the Grinch. The Cat in the Hat takes it full Susian, where it's like everything looks like a cartoon. The houses, the cars, the wardrobe, the environments, like the the, the street, the grass. Everything feels like it is Susian, and I love that. But I do love in the Grinch how it just feels like this weird Blade Runner dark like dreary but also like the 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 songs and the characters are like these susie and like 
and they, it's it's funny because like in Cat in the Hat, the cat looks like a like a cartoon, like as if he's like a, a host on like a children's TV show. That's what he feels like to me. But then you've got the Grinch, and in his universe, it it like the Susian characters look like like John Carpenter monsters, <laughs> and I love that about it because it just feels wrong, but it's great. All I'm gonna say is we have talked way more about Cat in the Hat here than we have Blues Brothers, and I think that says a lot about one <laughs> our generation and why Cat in the Hat is a standout for Gen Zers, but two why the Blues Brothers just. It doesn't have that same edge that it did when it came out in terms of standing out. I think it's such a better movie, and I would love if more movies made were like Blues Brothers. The The amount of money that they spent on stupid things in making this movie. The fact that they had to li- literally budget in the film's breakdown for the amount of cocaine the actors were going to do is in insane i honestly feel like they probably did the same in cat in the hat but they like labeled it something else on the itemized (laughs) sheet but i I can't confirm or deny that everything about blues brothers feels like it's elevated from other snl sketches turned movies even when there's great ones now with wayne's world or or even mcgruber you know there's there's still good ones being made but i this is this is tougher than it should be but my my instincts are telling me that blues brothers is the better one i i if we're if we're putting it to a vote i'm putting my foot firmly in blues brothers camp but if we lose and if and if cat in the hat has to win this that's fine as long as i get to say that cat in the hat is not going to make it much further on this list compared to almost anything that's left in this second part of the bracket so cool did you watch last year's bracket those are not the words you should be saying on this episode okay well i'm putting my foot firmly in the cat in the hat in honor of Joan Walden, Kelly Preston. She died last year. Rest in peace. Josh, where are you at? I'm voting Cat in the Hat because. So we're 50 50 on this? I'm leaning with Cat <laughs> in the Hat. Let's, let's get it. Sorry, Blues Brothers. That's fine. That's okay. I said my piece. Up next, we've got Planet of the Apes, the original, up against Terminator. Oh my god, I forgot about this. These are like, no joke. These two movies, like, I have praised so much this past year as, like, two of, like, these movies could be in my top ten movies of all time. It is up there in, like, Point Break tier, I call it, of my favorite movies of all time. Of Kubis Kino? Yes. I've got a super based take for you guys. Let's hear it. I like the 2001 Planet of the Apes more than this one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's based. That might have been the most unbased thing that's ever been said on this show. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's my take. I like the 2001 better than this one. And as a matter of fact, I'm not really a fan of this one at all. I mean, I think it's up there with like 2001: A Space Odyssey for for what bringing science fiction to film in a in a grand and where they weren't just shitty genre movies. It might be my favorite sci-fi movie of all, the original Planet of the Apes. Like, if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of science fiction movies, I would expect your George Washington to either be Planet of the Apes or 2001. In my opinion, that's the only thing that really makes sense. So we mentioned the Mount Rushmore thing, and I think of Mount Rushmore of sci-fi movies, I think Terminator could also be on here. I would think so, too. It It's such a great sci-fi kind of horror aspect because the Terminator is like chasing um sarah connor around and like it's very suspenseful i had the ultimate hot take this year where i like it more than the second one i think the second one's a great action movie might be 
top three best action movies of all time. But to me, just as a film and what I like about movies on a personal level, The Terminator, I think, is just, to me, just a perfect sci-fi time travel movie and that's why i won best time travel movie but planet of the apes holds such a i love planet of the apes also i'm very indecisive right now i think that the newer reboots of planet of the apes are better than this one there's a couple of them that i think are better i think there's one great one one overrated one fan of the new ones uh the the last one is is fine but I think that the, the first one with James Franco and then the following one are both better than this. I think that Terminator 1 is objectively way better of a movie than, than the first Planet of the Apes. Uh, it's It's got so much going for it. It has complete, like, stylistic control and tone. So Planet of the Apes doesn't? The original Planet of the Apes had to sell you that it was a completely different planet and then had one of the greatest twist endings in cinema history. That's true. I hear you. I understand you. And I respect your take. I'm not leaning out of Terminator camp. Terminator is probably one of my favorite franchises, even though there's only two good movies in the entire franchise. True. Terminator 1 is the second best Terminator movie, in my opinion, and one of the best sci-fi films ever created. It's such a brilliant concept. Alden, where are you leaning? Good question. I think this one is kind of difficult for me uh, because I feel like I've had slander for Terminator, but... We're very against it winning the bracket, I remember. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm on the side of it this time. How come? I've never properly enjoyed Planet of the Apes. It's always just kind of like, oh, okay, it's a movie. And I respect it a lot, but it's just not my not my jam. Neither is Terminator, really, but I would prefer to watch it over Planet of the Apes. So crazy you think some of the new movies and the Tim Bird one is better. I'm going to have trouble sleeping after hearing that take. All right, so it sounds like the majority vote's going to Terminator, and I think I have to agree. I think Planet of the Apes does more for the genre as a whole, but I think Terminator changed the landscape of what like a low-budget movie was or could be in the 1980s in the same way that Reservoir Dogs did in the 90s. That's, that's a really good comparison. I think James Cameron's direction, vision with The Terminator, even though there's literally only two good movies in the franchise, they're both standouts within their subgenres of the science fiction genre, whether that be a science fiction thriller or a science fiction action. Both the first two Terminators are knockouts in that regard. It's crazy to me because I think The Terminator beat for beat is a perfect movie. I think that there's things in Planet of the Apes that don't make it as accessible. I think the the pacing of the first act, although its payoff is awesome when you start when you first see the the apes, it takes about 35 40 minutes to get there and uh i feel like that just doesn't play as well with a modern audience whereas you could throw anyone in in a chair and have them watch terminator and they're invested within the first 10 minutes guaranteed that's totally fact up next this one's (laughs) tough for me guys we've got the social network the winner of our david fincher filmography ranked up against the fast and the furious three tokyo drift from our fast and the furious films ranked feels weird saying fast and furious and films in the same sentence but (laughs) (laughs) tokyo drift is my favorite and i would think it was extremely bold for us to put that as the number one whereas i think the social network was kind of our cop out for the fincher episode it's probably the like warmest take we've ever had i agree tokyo drift is probably my favorite fast and furious movie i i can't think of another one that i like more it's my favorite end of story like i don't really have much more to say about it it's 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 a lot of fun but i also can't say that it's better than the social network 
Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Alden, you're a cars guy. Sell us on why Tokyo Drift is better than the social network. Uh, no. This one didn't have Paul Walker. It did not have vehicle identification number diesel either. Well, I guess it did, but like not really. <laughs> Wait, I never heard that before. I'm sorry, I laughed way too hard at that. <laughs> it's, it's great for continuing on a franchise with none of the original cast. Yeah, it's like a spin-off movie. And that's cool, but it's still Fast and Furious up against the social network. Along with my hoodie and my fuck you flip-flops, you pretentious douchebags for putting the social network over this movie. Are you gonna break my laptop now? <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah, it has to be the social network. I didn't have Tokyo Drift as my number one, but I think when it comes to the racing and the style of cars in that movie, it's my favorite when it comes to that. The performances and the social network and the script alone, I mean, it's it's not comparable. Alrighty, up next, we've got Looney Tunes back in action, with which won our CGI live-action animation hybrid I think that was a bracket uh, up against uh titanic which was actually the first runner up in our james cameron filmography ranked but i didn't want terminator on here twice did terminator win twice yes yes uh we have titanic versus looney tunes back in action both kino in my opinion yes i agree this is a hard one to be honest like it shouldn't be a hard one just based on like box office but it is extremely hard for me i was very pro titanic being the cameron episode it was my number one i think it's cameron's now underrated masterpiece because i think it gets way too much hate now the use of the practical effects and the uh, miniatures or set design they used uh throughout that movie i think is phenomenal and cameron does not get enough credit that he was able to pull that off from a visual standpoint in 1999 or 97 yeah but looney tunes back in action i mean it's just such an underrated gem and it's so funny but I kind of want to go with Titanic just because it is the runner-up, and I want to give it the the praise it deserves. Yeah, I could see it. I, I feel like the praise of Titanic has been sung enough. At least our generation, I think, look over Titanic as like this just just the, like another romance movie. There's now a whole generation of people who did see it take over like the movie industry for like eight months or however long it was in theaters there's a great argument here for titanic and i, I think it has its it, its argument cut out for it i wouldn't even like you know it is a romance movie but that's not even like my favorite part of titanic i love i love the visual effects like the the the, the miniatures attention to accuracy is actually flooding a replica of the titanic to film the movie it's incredible and having it sink exactly as the original did and and like all of the massive sets that they flooded like to it's beautiful it's wonderful here's my problem with titanic there are stretches of titanic that i find long and boring that I don't want to watch. That's what I can't say about Looney Tunes back in action. That's so true. If I had to pick one of these to watch, I'd pick Looney Tunes. But that, even if forgetting that easy argument to make. I don't know, though. Every time I revisit Titanic, it's paced better than I think it is. That's true. When I leave the movie and not think about it for a while, I have the same like opinion where I'm like, oh, there's some really slow scenes. And then I go back and actually watch and I'm like, 
No, this is paced pretty good for like a three hour movie. Oh, what I was going to say is what I really like about Titanic is it feels very much like an old Hollywood movie. And I think that that's one reason why it has it had the giant cultural uh, boom that it did is it feels like, and especially with like the romance being at the forefront of this giant real life disaster, it feels like a 40s or 50s movie, but it has that like James Cameron seal of approval in terms of action sequencing and and special and visual effects that really pushes it as one of the best blockbusters of all time. I guess why I really want to kind of go with Looney Tunes back in action here is this movie did not get any appreciation when it came out critically bombed underperformed at the box office and it's such a stronger movie compared to cultural renaissance of space jam for no reason like this has a breakneck pace uh, like John was saying, it goes from one set piece to another. You see all the Looney Tunes and how they would uh, operate as members of real life society. This movie tonally feels in line with comedies of the era, like things like your, uh, you know, Austin Powers or even Cat in the Hat to a certain degree. But I think the way that they utilize most of the Looney Tunes ensemble is so strong and it feels like a movie that we will never get this well again. We're gonna continue to get these Clifford the Big Red Dogs and live action movies with CGI characters, but I don't think there's going to be one that treats those characters as strongly as this one does. I, I wholeheartedly agree that Looney Tunes back in action for me is, I love this movie and it's upsetting to me because, so we got a sequel to Space Jam in the correct universe. If we were in the right timeline, we would have actually gotten a sequel to Looney Tunes back in action. This movie has the nostalgia factor, but also delivers on being an entertaining and fun movie. If you want to compare this directly to Space Jam, which is not what we're doing, but I'm doing it, it's better objectively in every way but to make my point pro tight pro titanic movie right now though go ahead titanic kind of the first of its kind at its own subgenre. uh you saw like spinoffs like pearl harbor after try to reclaim that same uh that same box office appeal a uh, looney tunes back in action i think is great but does that movie happen without who framed roger rabbit Probably not. I was actually, what I was going to say before, not I was rudely cut off, but <laughs> <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit ran so this movie could sprint. I would say they're both sprinting, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit is like sprinting a little bit more. <laughs> it's Roadrunner sprinting compared to The Wolf sprinting. This is tough. I think both these movies are great. I have a point that will sway no one's opinion. Uh, Titanic needs two VHS tapes. Looney Tunes Back in Action only needs one. Listen, Goodfellas needed two DVDs, and that moved on. I'm glad we stream stuff. It has its pros and cons. All right, uh, everyone just say which one you think should go here, and hopefully we won't have a tie. Looney Tunes Back in Action. Uh, I'm gonna go with Titanic. Yeah, my heart's going on for Titanic. My heart will go on. James Bond is in Looney Tunes Back in Action. But not my favorite Bond, though. Actually, probably my least favorite Bond. <laughs> Which Bond is in Looney Tunes back in action? Timothy Dalton. He's in two movies. The first one is pretty decent, but not compared to the other ones. And the second one is dog shit, so. Should we let fate decide? What do you mean fate? Like, are we going to roll a dice? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, Nate. I got you, Nate. 
in honor of Smart House or whatever it was called. Hey Google, flip a coin. Uh, heads is Looney Tunes, Tails is Titanic. It landed on Tails. Okay, it's Tails. Oh my God. Tails for Titanic. Tails from the Titanic. Tails from the Titanic would be a great spinoff show. Disney Plus miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the plot of Titanic, but from like other characters' perspectives. They would have to do an episode on what's his name, the the guy who gets cucked. Billy Zane. There's one that is just the the band that's playing as the ship is sinking. Oh my God! Like their individual stories, like why they're on the ship, and like they're like the the things that got them into music originally. <laughs> That would be so good. All right. This next one's a little wild. <laughs> the Sixth Sense, which won our M. Night Shyamalan uh, movies ranked up against Sorry to Bother You, Alden's favorite movie of all time. I wonder which one Alden will pick. Plot twist, The Sixth Sense. What a twist. Yeah, I wonder too. I'll start, I guess. I'm picking Sorry to Bother You. I, I love The Sixth Sense, but first watched this movie, I didn't know the plot twist. I hadn't heard the, the, I can see dead people. I hadn't heard that before. I'd never been, it had never been spoiled for me when I watched this movie. I immediately knew what the plot twist was as soon as I saw the first scene. Wow. I know we talked about it in the actual episode, but I can't get over Donnie Wahlberg's method acting in the first act of this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just think The Sixth Sense is a little overrated, but sorry to bother you. It really, it does something. It, I don't want to say different for like the... Uh, I mean, it's fairly different. It, it does something for the, uh, the, the, the genre that it's... It's like so over the top, but it's on purpose. I think Sorry to Bother You is the greatest satire of the last 20 years. When I first watched it, I was thinking like, I was upset by it actually when I first watched it because I was thinking, oh, the satire feels very surface level. But then I watched it again and I'm like, you know, it, it is surface level, but that also feels like the point. It feels intentional. It's not like they're, they're, it's a bad attempt at, at, at satire. It feels like trying to be super on the nose because that's kind of the point of everything in the movie. It's literally beating you over the head with its stance on capitalism and the state of our current world. Yeah. Yeah. To the same degree that Adam McKay's new movie, which came out Christmas Eve on Netflix, Don't Look Up does. The jokes are at the expense of the audience because we live in the real world where these things are actually happening and it's like way, way, way over the top. An exaggerated version of our real world that is made to poke fun at those those faults and those problems. I'm really excited to watch that movie. <laughs> it's, it's really, really great. Uh, it's probably gonna get shit on, but it's great. Yeah, I mean, The Sixth Sense is a great movie. It's a great watch. I think it's twist, the way uh, the story unfolds is awesome, but for me, it's one that you really only get two great viewings out of, whereas Sorry to Bother You is, like, one of my favorite movies to show someone who has no idea what the movie's about. Yeah. Even if you are able to find someone who has never had the ending of The Sixth Sense spoiled for them, I feel like they're gonna follow that movie pretty well and they're gonna enjoy it, but it's not gonna be something that, like, sticks with them. That was me. I followed the movie, I enjoyed it, but it did not stick with me unfortunately. Sorry to bother you will stick with anyone. It is it is a lot to take in. All of the surface level shit is all there. It's good. What's going to stick with you more is like the deeper themes of the movie that you kind of have to think about to unpack, which I love. Every single time I rewatch this movie, there's just something brand new that you find in it. Sounds like three. Josh, where are you leaning? 
No, I'm going with Sorry to Bother You. I love that movie. All right. We stay based here on the Duel the Takes uh, panel. <laughs> the best Halloween movie of all time, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I feel like everyone really drank my Kool-Aid on that one, but uh, I'm happy it happened. <laughs> Up against uh, Hot Fuzz, the uh, best Edgar Wright movie, according to me. And also you guys, sort of. <laughs> From our last episode ever made. This is the Nate round. Nate Martin Kino round. This, this really is. It really do be that way. Anyone who knows me knows that Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is like not only one of my favorite like Halloween movies, it's one of my favorite movies to watch around the Halloween season. I can't think of the last time I haven't seen this movie in October. It really is a lightning in a bottle in terms of atmosphere and tone, but I will say I don't find myself going to Halloween in uh, uh, Halloween 3 season of The Witch in like, I mean, I guess you could probably watch it in March since like the, uh, the evil company's Irish and shit. That could be a fun little March movie, but I wouldn't just turn this movie on like on a whim. Uh, in like the middle of the year as much as i love it i think it's it's perfect as a halloween uh treat so to speak whereas hot fuzz i think may be the greatest action comedy of all time it's very high up there in that regard i mean i laugh out loud to hot fuzz every single time i watch it i know exactly where the story goes i know it drags a little bit in the end of the second act but it is uh, breakneck paste, uh, some of the funniest editing and visual gags put to film, and also just like lovable over the top action and, and a dumb little mystery that you get yourself intertwined in every time you watch it. I think just for the rewatchability and how often I have seen it, I think Hot Fuzz deserves to win here. I don't think that any Halloween movie, especially the best one, Halloween 3, I, I totally agree. The best Halloween movie, at least to me. I'd like to apologize to Nicholas Alexander for this part of the episode. I, I don't think that the best Halloween movie has anything to compare to Hot Fuzz. It's it's upsetting. Like, there's a lot of things on this list that are upsetting that they're compared to. This is one of them, because on any other list, Halloween 3 should probably make it really far. Definitely did, because <laughs> it won a list before. But the best Halloween movie doesn't hold anything to Hot Fuzz, so uh, that's... That's where I'm at. I want to go with Halloween 3 just for the fact that I noticed we have a lack of horror in this whole bracket so far. There should be a different horror movie replacing Halloween 3. We have a lot of a lot of comedies and a lot of comedies that already moved on. So I just kind of want to lean towards Halloween 3 for variety. And I genuinely think Halloween 3 is not only the best Halloween movie, it is a great one of the best movies to watch in October. You may only watch it once year but every time you revisit it you're gonna find something else in the movie you really appreciate i think hot fuzz uh what i really enjoy about it is very surface level it's got some very creative directing techniques it is edgar wright but halloween 3 uh even learning the behind the scenes of the movie how that movie like got made uh what the future of the halloween movies could have been is very fascinating to me. Fascinating enough for me to revisit it. So I think I'm gonna go with Halloween 3. I think I'm going to support Hot Fuzz and our apparent comedy agenda. Sounds like definitive to me. Fascist. <laughs> I'd like to hear the take for Halloween 3 anyways. Josh just, just did a great job. I mean, if I were to if I were to try my best to have Halloween 3 win here, I think just how much it stands out within its own franchise is, is everything. Uh, I, I think that Halloween 3 being this unique kind of 
like one-off attempt at doing an anthology uh, is the most promising thing about it. As a movie, it, it's incredibly competent. I mean, I think it has some of the best cinematography in the franchise, if not the best cinematography in the franchise. It's also got great original score. It's got the same team of people that made the first two Halloween movies, and it really shows. This is a great example of trying something new with a franchise, and the only reason I feel it didn't work was that there was a movie called Halloween 2 that was a direct continuation of the first Halloween. Uh, in that parallel universe where this was Halloween Season of the Witch or Halloween 2 Season of the Witch just instead of Halloween 3, this movie would have catapulted mainstream anthology releases in the theater for decades to come. That's the timeline where we have the uh, the Michael Jackson Spider-Man movie. <sighs> I'm glad we don't live in that timeline then. Loving Vincent versus Shrek from our uh, very recent animated movies of the 2000s and the 2010s uh, brackets. Um, buddy. Alden, take it away. Well, Loving Vincent is like pretty good. It's very unique and its style is incredible. However, it's no Shrek. <laughs> Shrek is also incredibly unique. It was groundbreaking animation on the level of Pixar and not from like a Disney owned property at all. Yeah. And there's a reason it won its own like list. But the thing is, these one very similar list. Yes. I think Loving Vincent is probably the most underrated movie on this bracket. Probably this or Sorry to Bother You when it comes to people actually talking about the movies. I am agreeing with Alden. One, because I Alden probably feels like I betrayed him when I didn't vote for Shrek 2, so I'm going to support him right now. <laughs> and two, I think when it comes to accessibility and what I wanted animated film. Shrek gives me all that. Loving Vincent, I watched, really enjoyed. I'm sure I'll revisit it in a couple of years, but Shrek, I, I could literally... I, I watched it in Spanish and I still had a great time. Had a great time, yeah. I'm gonna stay on brand. I'm picking Loving Vincent. It's, it's the most unique movie I think on this entire list. That doesn't mean that it should go all the way to the end, but I think above Shrek, which I love, I love Shrek, and I will defend it uh, until the end, until you put it against Loving Vincent, which is a, a movie that has one of the most unique factors of all time, which I'll, I'll list for the, I'll, I'll say for the last time, because we probably won't come back to Loving Vincent for a while. Uh, 26,000 paintings, uh, oil paintings. Uh, that went into this film, uh, but then you come to the like you know the, the unique style of storytelling where it's kind of like a like a uh, an L.A. noir style like who's lying, who's telling the truth, how did Vincent Van Gogh die? Nobody really knows. It doesn't. It, it gives you a little bit of an idea, but it doesn't really answer the question by the end of the movie, which leaves you with that level of mystery, which I love. Shrek is amazing. It's one of the best uh, 3D animated films that I could possibly think of. Films or animated films. I don't think it comes close. I think that Loving Vincent tramples it by a light year, uh, unfortunate. But does Loving Vincent have that dynamic cast, like the performances by Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz? Like, these are A-list actors, like, coming together. You're right. It doesn't have that dynamic. And that's the problem with a lot of these matchups on this list, is that a lot of them don't shouldn't be compared. And the reason they're being compared is because they won. But I'm just comparing the performances here. There's no performance in Loving Vincent that stands out to me like a Shrek, Donkey, Fiona. Like, they all have these iconic performances. Loving Vincent, it has great, stylistically, it's great, but is there 
whether any performance by an actor in that movie you would say is better than the main cast of Shrek. I, you know, and that's a that's a great argument. The all of the actors in in Loving Vincent are a, do a serviceable if not great job. But you're right, they don't have the chemistry. I would also say that the movie does not lend itself to having that kind of chemistry. It's not designed in a way that is designed to have chemistry between great voice actors. Shrek does have the advantage of having a bunch of extremely famous, extremely prolific and great voice actors given a great script where they can bounce off of each other in a comedic and entertaining way. Um, but I'm not lifting my foot uh, out of uh, Loving Vincent. That's where I stand. Um, it is, it's, I think that it's an artistic masterpiece. While Shrek is also a masterpiece in a different way, it has the cultural staying power that surpasses Loving Vincent in a way that I wish that Loving Vincent would, but it doesn't have the accessibility that Shrek does. Shrek accesses to children as well as adults. And that is uh, incredibly valid. Uh, last year, in this situation, I feel like we had a ghost story where it was kind of like this underrated movie that didn't really get a lot of buzz, didn't get a lot of attention. And I think Loving Vincent got a, a little bit more initially just because of how unique it is presented. But I think one thing that deters me from elevating Loving Vincent, and it's a masterpiece, it's a great movie, uh, it's, it's an, an arts showcase, to me, is like going to a fine arts museum where it's a lot of fun and you'll have a great time and you'll see all these beautiful paintings and you'll walk out of it feeling enriched. But I don't know about you, I'm not going to the same museum three, four, five days in a row. Maybe like a once a year, next time there's a rotating exhibit or something that I may have missed, I will go back to that museum. And for me, uh, Loving Vincent is like a once every handful of years type movie, whereas Shrek... So you're going to Shrek 4D at Universal multiple times a year is what you're saying. <laughs> um, I... I guess I think that it the definitive DreamWorks movie and it needs to be represented moving forward. Shrek wins here. I, it sounds like for sure. Mitch Mutz is on this list. Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I uh, forgot to include the uh, most two recent the Christmas episodes our Mount Rushmore and our uh, the naughty or nice Christmas movies. And I was like, oh, I really need the naughty or nice one on there, Klaus, uh, just because it did win an episode over this year. And then I was thinking, like, what was the movie that we talked about or the, the special that we talked Talked about the most in building our Mount Rushmore. <laughs> we talked about Hey Hey It's Kanishmas for about forty minutes of an hour and twenty minute podcast. So I think it's <laughs> it's the definitive winner of uh, that Mount Rushmore, in my opinion. <laughs> my other option here was going with Shrek the Halls in a means of baiting Alden into saying that we needed another Shrek movie on here, thinking that Shrek Two was going to get some sort of redemption, and then just pull the rug out from underneath them and make it Shrek the halls. Um, but I decided against that because that didn't win anything and it never will. <laughs> but hey, it's Kanishmas, uh, one of Alden's definitive takes, one of his ultimate favorite Christmas specials going up against Klaus, uh, a movie we have talked about, honestly, maybe a little too much in recent. Too much? Talked about it a lot. I don't think that a 22-minute uh, TV special holds a candle to this uh, reinvention of the Christmas genre. Take it away, Alden. I'm trying to decide what I want to do here. Someone else take it away. Kanishmas is great. 
I ended up watching it between uh, between the last episode and this one. It's good. It's it's a great uh, holiday special of of a of a beloved show. I do love Chowder. That being said, I still can't take my foot out of Klaus. It's it's incredible. There's two Christmas movies for me, like full length, uh, 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 feature length Christmas movies that I believe are the definition of the Christmas genre, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And those are The Santa Claus and Klaus. The Santa Claus presents a delightfully cynical version of what the Santa Claus lore is, where if you murder Santa Claus, you become him. The other one is Klaus, where you focus on a character that isn't even Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a tertiary character in this movie. He's not the main character at all. Uh, On the surface, cynical, but in the end becomes a very wholesome story about Christmas, but it's a very unique take on Christmas, on on what the origin of Christmas actually is. And I've said before, but I'll mention it again, the animation style in Klaus is revolutionary to what 2D animation should be. And I wish that every other animation studio would take inspiration and technology from what has been taken from Klaus, because it does this thing where it does 2D animation, but with 3D lighting. Um, it, 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 they map 3D lighting to the 2D characters, and then they can move around 3D lights that react to 2D characters in a 3D way, and it creates this really, really authentic-looking uh, 3D, er, 3D animation to 2D characters. But they are 2D characters. It's animated in 2D completely and wholeheartedly, and it's, it, it's, it's amazing. You can't discount... Uh, the uh, authentic and and wonderful voice acting of uh, of uh, what's his fa- fucking uh, god damn my brain is escaping me Norm Macdonald um, you've got J.K. Simmons as fucking Santa Claus uh, Jason Schwartzman is your main character Rashida Jones of course um, it, like and these these are incredible people uh, to to voice anything. Uh, virtually unparalleled to any 2D animated movie that I've ever seen, ever. It's pretty incredible. I, 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 I think that Klaus, in the future, will be one of those movies that uh, generations look upon and 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 appreciate. Whereas uh, Kanishmas is great as a as a TV special, but does not hold a candle. Are we really moving on? Is that are we doing it that fast? I, I've heard this same song and dance. I just edited you saying pretty much the same thing last week, but I'm glad you said it again because I. <laughs> I agree. I think that Klaus needs to move on here. Uh, hey, hey, it's Kanishmas. A great little TV special, and I'm happy that it made our Mount Rushmore, but I really don't know if it has uh, has what it takes to dethrone Klaus, unless Alden has some, some boiling hot take for us right now. Well, I mean, it was just said that Klaus, we predict, will, like, gain traction and hold itself well as it ages. Hey, hey, it's Kanishmas is already doing that. This came out in, like, what, 2000. Eight, I think. Yeah, 2008 or 2009. Yeah, and it's already gaining traction from people who have never seen Chowder as a show in general and definitely didn't grow up with it. And now people are making reanimated episodes of Hey, Hey, It's Kanishmas 
people really like this special. And I think Klaus is great. It's definitely incredible. I don't know why you moved Klaus. I was about to vote for Chowder. Really? We're about to be 50-50 unless Nate's on Kanishmas? I mean, they, they have very similar uh, theming, I'd say. Every single character in Klaus kind of has a change of heart in some way, uh, something to learn from. But the same thing can be said about, hey, hey, it's Kanishmas, just in a shorter package. A little bit more fun of a movie, or rather a special. A 20 minute short. 20 minutes is enough to get the same point across. I mean, hey, that's a plus. I mean, if we got two votes for hey, hey, it's Kanishmas, then we actually have to fight this. Yeah. I feel like the stake, this bet that we kind of have going, where in 20 years Klaus is still going to be remembered, is kind of trite because i think as a movie itself now even if it isn't as as big as it should be or uh you know maybe doesn't have an immediate uh cultural pulse to it i've heard since we recorded that episode from multiple people that like they watched Klaus for the first time or like that they enjoyed it um but I, I i that's just kind of like murmurs word on the street type stuff i don't really know outside of like the five or six discord servers the collective here hops in and out of uh if that kind of push for hey hey it's Kanishmas is really like I, I feel like it discredits chowder as a show to elevate its christmas special over everything else would you say that this is the best episode of Chowder? Because I feel like that's not even really fair because you don't really get uh, a normal episode, so to speak, from this. This is not the best episode, but it is in the top five. This isn't the best Christmas movie, but it is probably in the top five. Is, yeah, they, they, they fill the same barrier of like Kanishmas is very high in the level of like Christmas specials, and it's high in the level of, of chowder specials, and Klaus is not the best Christmas movie, but it fills that void of being very high in the list of Christmas movies, and animated ones at that. Removed from the Christmas element, which is kind of hard in this context, but for the sake of this bracket, it being just about movies that have won, I, I think that there's more to appreciate as a movie from Klaus than there is the Flash animated television special, especially within its own respect uh, art form of being a, uh, a feature film and kind of what Sekul was talking about with like the technical intricacies within its lighting and its animation style of it being so unique. I think it really is kind of <clears throat> the only way we're going to see 2D animation have some sort of resurgence is through some of the newer technology that is introduced. I kind of want to go back to my Titanic argument for this <laughs> without ranking Bass. Perhaps we don't get to the point where a movie like Klaus can get made. Chowder special is so unique, even in its name, it probably gets made no matter what. I don't know if we'd have Christmas specials in the normal sense without Rankin Bass. Um, That's true. Klaus is like the origin of Santa Claus, right? And it has elements similar to Rankin Bass. Yeah, you're right there. It, it does have... Uh, sort of borrowed elements from Santa Claus's coming to town. But I think John brought up a really good point in that Santa Claus isn't the main character, or Klaus isn't the main character of this movie. He certainly is for Santa Claus's coming to town. It's all about him becoming Santa. And this is more about setting up the mythos for why Santa, not who Santa. And I think that's something we failed to neglect in its uh, in its uh, the episode where it won. But every stereotypical Christmas special that's come along since Ranking Bass, the creators of Chowder were finally like, hey, let's just not do a Christmas episode. Let's do something. Let's do something that would actually happen in the Chowder universe. Let's do something completely unhinged. For once they put their universe before the actual 
holiday. Like how the Flintstones had a Christmas special, but it takes place in BC. <laughs> they, <laughs> That's a good they didn't point. Put their universe, <laughs> they, they didn't put their universe first. At least Chowder did. <laughs> That makes sense. That's that's totally fair. I don't know. I just feel one of these has more staying power than the other. Look, I might agree, but at the same time, one of these is actively growing with a community behind it, and the other is Klaus. Well, Josh, Alden, if you guys feel so strongly about it, Alden, you were a big reason why Klaus won uh, last week, so I uh, deep down feel that Hey Hey It's Kanishmas is better than Klaus. I'm willing to give it this round. I have tried two years now to get Josh to watch Klaus. And he was there watching it. Only got five minutes in and then disappeared for like six hours. And yet he goes and just instantly is on the side of Hey Hey It's Kanishmas because Chowder is great. I like Hey Hey It's Kanishmas. I can get him to I can get him to watch that special. I cannot get him to watch Klaus. Like that's got to say something. Yeah, I think it just says that Josh hates animation. <laughs> I mean, really, but <laughs> but Chowder's animated. So are, are we putting it to a vote or are we? Uh, what are we doing? And I kind of gave the power to. Alden and Alden said hey hey it's Kanishmas so sorry Klaus stands we called to your action last week and now we are throwing you out with the bathwater. hey hey it's Kanishmas is moving on that's just wild because hey hey Kanishmas has no stake against any of the fucking movies it's up against that's fine I don't really think Klaus did either but that's okay speed round Fuck it, yeah, speed round. Sound of Metal versus The Prestige. Ready? Three, two, one. The Prestige. The Prestige. The Prestige. Sound of Metal. Sorry, John. That's okay. We got Lilo and Stitch versus Dead Man's Chest. Ready? Three, two, one. Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch? Lilo and Stitch. Okay. If this was Curse of the Black Pearl, I know where my vote would be, uh, and it wouldn't be Lilo and Stitch, but the fact that it's... That's exactly how I feel. Mine would probably be Lilo and Stitch still. Goodfellas, Cat in the Hat. Ready? Three, two, one. And the hat. Cat in the Hat. Goodfellas. Cat in the Hat. Wow. Wow. This is your fault, John. No, I fought for Wolf of Wall Street and now fucking <laughs> Cat in the Hat is making it. A I would have said Cat in the Hat over Wolf of Wall Street too, just for the record. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. Okay, here we go. All right, Terminator, the social network. Ready? Three, two, one. The Terminator. Terminator. The social network. The social network? That's 50-50. All right, we have to fight this then. Everyone get your brass knuckles out. Uh, the, the Terminator. All right, Josh has redacted his vote for the social network and it is the Terminator indeed. Titanic versus sorry to bother you? Three, two, <laughs> one. Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother, to bother you? you? Titanic. Hot Fuzz, Shrek. Ready? Three, two, one. Shrek. Uh, Shrek. Shrek. Get out of my swamp. Hey, hey, it's Kanishmas or nothing. Three, two, one. X-Men Days of Future Plows. Hey, Plows. hey, it's Kanishmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea, but uh, hey, 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 it's Kanishmas, I guess. All right, left side. Let's do it. Cat uh, in the Hat's getting a bye, so that's hilarious. Uh, the Prestige versus Lilo and Stitch. It's time to fight, guys. What, what's the better movie? The Prestige. Yeah, I think it's The Prestige. Like, I think Lilo and Stitch was the best out of the best when it came to the post-Renaissance. But if I had to rank Lilo and Stitch with the Renaissance, it's probably in my top five. There's probably four other Disney movies I like better. Especially a Goofy movie. Yes, of course. Lilo and Stitch is great, and I would still watch that movie right now, no questions asked, but 
I feel like the prestige is such a, uh, I don't want to say underrated because I think all of Nolan's movies have their due appreciation, but even within his filmography, that one seems to be somewhat overlooked. I think a lot of people would point to like Interstellar or even Dunkirk before Prestige if they were just like, you got a random person on the street and ask them to name five Nolan movies. I feel like they wouldn't mention the Prestige. I feel like they wouldn't get the five. I feel like a lot of people would. I, I feel like Lilo and Stitch is the first iteration of a, a Dibby movie, a movie that, that incorporates a Dibby. Do you guys know what a Dibby is? Yeah, you were talking about it in the... Uh... Uh, one of the animated episodes. A cute, a cute little creature that you incorporate into your movie that you can make it sellable. Stitch is like the smallest version of that because he's also a great character, but he is the first iteration of a Dibby movie where you have a character that is you are purely in incorporating into the movie to sell because you want to sell toys and merchandise of it. And I love Lilo and Stitch, but he is the first Dibby. I think. Yeah. Didn't gremlins sell dolls? Uh, gremlins are not dibbies. Mm. They're not. Gizmo might be, but gremlins as a whole aren't. What about, what about like Care Bears as a whole? No. No. Care Bears are in the same vein of like, uh, God, what are those little animals? Littlest Pet Shop? Or, or, uh... Yeah, I think... Weren't Care Bears a toy first, and then a TV series? So, I, I think... Yeah, what are the ponies? What are we even talking about? The Prestige is moving on. <laughs> oh, no. I guess the Prestige got deleted. Just like that, it vanished. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Cat in the Hat's getting a buy, so we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, no. Now we have to fight Terminator versus Sorry to Bother You. Terminator. Ah, <sighs> no. <laughs> I love how tired Alden sounded in saying that. Alden is Alden has talked about Terminator so much this year. He's probably so sick of it. Well, look, they have they have a similar premise, right? Skynet came from like a, a corporation, except you don't get like any of that in in the dialogue of the movie. That's kind of just over your head. There's no statement made. It's implied. Yes, it's implied, but they didn't make a statement with it because no one cared at that, like, in this time. This was the peak of cocaine-driven capitalism. The sorry to bother you subtext is actually surface text, whereas the subtext of Terminator is sorry to bother you, but it's actually subtext. And it goes below. It's 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 hidden beneath the horror uh, like the the, the sci-fi horror main plot. But the subtext is what Sorry to Bother You says to you. I think just going based off of like entertainment value here, I feel like Terminator's the more accessible movie. I mean, it's kind of, it's perfect because I think just about anyone can, can watch that movie. Obviously there's, you know, some graphic violence and some nudity and stuff, but it's not. So it, you have the same thing in Sorry to Bother You. There's graphic nudity and violence in that movie. Yes, but I don't think a, a lot of people would appreciate Sorry to Bother You, especially the late second act and third act of that movie and how far it goes. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that Sorry to Bother You's like violence and graphic nudity of horse cock is not uh, as, as beneficial to the plot as Terminator's is. I would argue it's more beneficial to the plot. Yeah. The crowd-pleasing movie here is Terminator, because I think about half the people that watch Sorry to Bother You aren't going to agree with its thesis, and that's probably by design. I mean, it is a satire. No, that makes sense. Supposed to poke holes in the 
uh, faults of capitalism and uh, how bleak our future can look if we continue to just let, um, you know, gigantic corporations redesign the human genome. But at that same time, I think it's a ballsier movie. Uh, I think Terminator has that deep kind of... uh, uh, subtext, like we are saying, with the rise of technology, with um, you know the fears and paranoia of artificial intelligence, and all of that. It's not. It's not taking a stance in that. It's just saying like, oh, that's a cool like uh, premise, or that's a cool. Uh, uh, you don't really get like the anti Skynet agenda in Terminator until Judgment Day, whereas this one movie doesn't really go into why that's bad. It's just, this is the bad guy. I disagree. In Terminator, you have a a single mother who's being hunted down by uh, a a, a robot. She ain't no mother yet. Okay, well, she isn't, like, you know, in the movie, but in 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 the context of the movie... Yes, she is a single mother. She's giving birth to the son of the resistance of the robots. And it's like, you know, maybe if you watch this movie in a vacuum, maybe that's not what you get out of it. But that is the plot of the movie, is that the the single mother of the resistance, and actually, but the soldier that comes from the past to protect... Kyle Reese? Yeah, whatever his name is. He comes from the past to protect her. He tells her that she gives birth to the the leader of the resistance. And even if you don't actually understand that he's the one that actually creates that person, John Connor, like that is the plot of the movie. Like regardless, like and and she is the 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 mother of the leader of the resistance. That is the plot of the movie. And and she fights that robot hand to hand and crushes him in a machine like she fights him to the death even while the person who created John Connor dies. That's pretty substantial. Like, you know, Sorry to Bother You is is great, and it does have all of that social commentary in it, but it's not as on the nose as Terminator is, but it says the same things, and Terminator is a more succinct and better movie. If you want to compare them movie to movie, Terminator's a better film, just on the nose, like just a better movie and sorry to bother you can do that because it came out in a context of a time where people understand these things terminator did not it came out at a time when people were not as willing to accept these kinds of uh societal changing opinions but it doesn't need to it doesn't need to do that i want to throw one little uh thing in in that like in that argument and it's bringing in another movie but only a few years after terminator we got robocop which to me blends both of these movies in terms of having an explicit stance robocop is a cheap extension of terminator no it's not totally not i don't like robocop and i disagree entirely robocop's a cheap extension of terminator i love robocop but it's not as good as terminator end of story i would argue it's better You think RoboCop is better than the original Terminator? I think RoboCop has a general appealing action movie and thriller and the the social commentary that Terminator does have uh, very little of. Uh, all of those elements, and it has that biting satire and anti-capitalist theming of Sorry to Bother You all in one package. Of course, we're not talking about RoboCop here. If Terminator had the same goals that you are claiming that it does 
of being a a political message or just a social message in its film it would have been robocop or something like it but it's not aiming for that and i'm not saying it needs to it's aiming to be a crowd pleasing thriller action sci-fi thriller and it does a great job at that but personally i think the substance that sorry to bother you has and the fact that it's taking a relatively ballsy message and sending it out to as many people as it possibly can is probably just more aligned with my tastes and what I would like to see more in movies. And Terminator's a great movie. It deserves to be where it's at right now. I would I would show someone sorry to bother you before I show them Terminator for the first time. Maybe I'm a bad friend, but I think sorry to bother you is better. Even though Terminator maybe doesn't have as many overt uh, like references to the political themes that it that it is absolutely touting. The fact that you're you're referencing it to RoboCop and saying that it influenced RoboCop at least to what it is, because like that's basically what you're implying is that Terminator influenced RoboCop to be what RoboCop is, which is a political commentary, but also an action movie, which is what Terminator One is, but it's more of a thriller and a horror movie. That in and of itself makes Terminator more important than Sorry to Bother You. What has Sorry to Bother You done to the filmmaking scape? Like, what has Sorry to Bother You created in history? My favorite movie? I think it's created a very explicit, on-the-nose, mainstream and digestible satire. No, look, there is the same there is the same amount of time between Terminator and Robocop. There is three years. There's three years between Sorry to Bother You and Don't Look Up. And there was a year off from making any movies, pretty much. That sorry to bother you directly influenced Don't Look Up. I would actually go as far as to say it, that sorry to bother you is directly influenced by Thank You for Smoking. But that's flipping your question on its head. Josh, Alden, how about you guys weigh in here? I think John and I have spoken enough. Okay, well, uh, to carry off of Nick's point for Terminator, I'd like to say that sorry to bother you came out at the start of late stage capitalism and is also about humanity. So I don't know if that really helps Terminator in this case. Terminator's fun. I think Sorry to Bother You is really good. All the points that I would have said have been said by the rest of the panel. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm just going to go with what I would watch right now. And that's probably Terminator. All right. Here we go. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. So are we going the next one, which is uh, the opposite side of the bracket, or are we going Terminator versus Shrek immediately? We've got Shrek versus, uh, hey, hey, it's Kanishmas. I mean, we do, but I'd also like to point out it's it's Shrek. Yeah, I, I don't think that, I don't think that, hey, it's Kanish, I think, hey, hey, it's Kanishmas has gone far enough. One round and a bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for me. I think Shrek is way better. Than, uh, and I would love to hear an argument for why Hey Hey It's Kanishmas is better than Shrek. No, let's go to the final four. The final four. The four uh, best movies we've talked about this year. <laughs> I guess. Uh, the Prestige, A Cat in the Hat, Terminator, and Shrek. <laughs> this is on brand for us. I really feel like it is. Um, Prestige versus The Cat in the Hat. 
Are we speed rounding or are we trying to make arguments? I feel like this is the final four. We should probably just have a debate here if there is one to have. I mean, no, it's Cat in the Hat. The Prestige is obviously better than fucking Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat has made it very far and it deserves how far it's gotten, but it is not the fucking Prestige. I don't know if it deserved to be Goodfellas, but I'm glad that it did. But Cat in the Hat is definitely a, a classic, a cult classic even. Goodfellas would lose to the Prestige. I don't know about that. No, I would have put Goodfellas over Prestige. <laughs> We're not talking about what could have been. That's why Halloween 3 season of The Witch didn't make it out of the first round. We are talking about what is happening. And what we what is happening is the Prestige versus Cat in the Hat. <laughs> And I'm going to I'm going to open it up with I, I think that raw entertainment value cat in the hat might have the stake. No, but as a movie, the prestige does so much and accomplishes a ton with uh, different themes, whether it be how how far people are willing to sacrifice themselves for art themes of revenge. I love the setting of uh, this like Victorian era magician show. It almost has a little bit of that like steampunk aesthetic too with this pushing of technology and David Bowie as Nikola Tesla is incredible. I love this kind of uh, other world's take on, uh, you know, what if Tesla just was like de like designing machines for magicians to one-up themselves and things. Like, despite its fantasy and light sci-fi, it is very much a character-driven movie, and it's very much uh, grounded in the stakes in the environment of these characters. And I don't think there's anything in Cat in the Hat that's grounded, and that's probably why it's so good. I, I agree wholeheartedly i want to fight for cat in the hat here but i literally cannot you can you can fight for it no but i'm not gonna because we've sung the praises of cat in the hat and i am on the side of the prestige uh just like okay the title the prestige is literally about like the reveal of like the magicians like like what's what's like what's the reveal of the magic trick the way that that title incorporates into the movie, which, I, I mean, I, I don't feel like we need to spoil. Should we spoil it for this list? Yeah, we spoiled it during the Nolan one. It's crucial to the... Spoiler alert! He goes to Tesla sp and, and fucking creates teleportation technology. But the teleportation technology he creates is not actual teleportation. It's duplication, which means that one of the people he creates dies. Which means that if you go into this machine, you will either die or you will be the duplicate. And you don't know that. And the prestige of the movie, the prestige of the movie is that the guy that he's trying to one-up has just been using twins the whole time. He, they, they're twins. And that's the prestige, is that this one guy has been killing himself, quite literally, over and over, to create a better magic act than the other guy. But the other guy, he's just using twins. Nobody's dying. And it's insane. The main character that we've been rooting for because we feel like he's being undermined the whole movie. Nope. He's actually an asshole because he's been killing himself over and over and over. It's kind of metal. <laughs> it's metal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alden. 
Baton pass, it's your turn. I would like to say that David Bowie is Tesla. Like, that was cool, whatever. That is not physically possible. Of course not. Cat in the Hat is very physically realistic. No, it isn't! What the fuck? <laughs> Get out of here. Let's assume that his hat, which came through the box, which is a wormhole, very easily explainable. Yeah. <laughs> the hat is either using a different wormhole to store things, like a little a little separate dimension, or it's like the new Spider-Man suit. It's like Iron Man's suit where it's nanobots. Completely believable. No! Personally, cannot believe that this person just duplicates after getting struck by lightning. Like, no. Uh, Josh, where, where, where do you stand? I didn't expect Alden Guy, the science guy, to... to debunk that i uh um man um okay the prestige as something going against it where what's going against it for me is time i've only seen the movie once i think it's great but i've seen the cat in the hat many of times and have enjoyed every single viewing i don't know what i'm gonna get out of the second viewing of, of the prestige i think the twist is awesome the all the spoilers that sakula said earlier i think are great don't know how that will be on a second watch so i can't really i'm not judging that i'm just saying where i'm coming from when i say that i am in support of the cat in the hat making the finals that's insane. I will say the one thing that I did get out of Prestige the second and third time I watched it, uh, once you know the twist of the fact that there's these twin brothers, seeing how their earlier tricks are also performed with that element is really, really cool. You have to think about all the intricacies of every character interaction that Christian Bale's characters have uh, from two different perspectives of these two characters that you don't learn are different people until the twist. I think that for me that elevates as a twist uh, to something like uh, The Sixth Sense, which we talked about a little bit earlier, where it's straight up, oh, this guy was a ghost. Uh, and then there's like a lot of references and like the color red symbolizing the fact that this, these are things that the ghosts can't do or see. I think the prestige adds more uh, emotion and gravitas on a second watch through because you have to then what you have the knowledge of the second time viewing or the third time viewing that you didn't know the first time viewing and how that elevates um, mostly Christian Bale's performance, but also the, the stakes and the uh, consequences of these guys devoted to this rivalry. I think it ups the stakes on a second watch personally. Yeah. If you don't think that would do it for you and would continue to push Cat in the Hat, then, I mean, you're more than right to defend Cat in the Hat here. <laughs> uh, I think that, that that one rivalry, the fact that when you rewatch it, it recontextualizes the whole movie, elevates the prestige above Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat has a one-time watch. I wouldn't say one-time watch. You could watch that um, and laugh, and then you could show your friends, and then... You can show more of your friends. But watch it twice yourself. Watch both of these movies twice yourself. You watch The Prestige once, you realize the twist. You watch it again, you realize more things. Watch The Cat in the Hat once by yourself. Nothing is revealed to you. It's the fucking Cat in the Hat. Humor is revealed to me. <laughs> 
I, I don't think I'd ever wash the cat in the hat by myself once to begin with. Exactly, exactly. The prestige is obviously above this one. And here's the other thing, which really doesn't have anything to do with these two movies. The cat in the hat doesn't compare to whatever wins the next round. Maybe. I can the hat moved on then. We'll see. All right, we've got Terminator versus Shrek. Wait, what? Hold on. Why did we just put Cat in the Hat? Well, I'm on the side of Cat in the Hat. Alden and Josh were adamant in defending it. I gave all the takes I could for the prestige. I didn't budge either of them. And uh, we wanted to see how Cat in the Hat would fare against the other two movies. I think that this is justified. But we were two and two. We were two and two. Clear that I wasn't going to win over either Josh or Alden. And I'm more willing to compromise my love for the prestige for another movie that I love. It's fine, because whatever the next one wins is going to win. All right, we've got The Terminator versus The Shrek. It's just like last year. <laughs> Terminator. Terminator. No. Yes. Are we having deja vu? <laughs> we are having deja vu. You have a genuinely good movie that redefined the genre of sci-fi versus an animated movie that had a great impact on our generation, but also is just an animated movie that has good chemistry. Bro, calm down. It's incredible. Surprisingly good chemistry for what it is, but it is not the Terminator. Alden. Hmm. The Terminator doesn't even have close to the same chemistry that Shrek does. I definitely believe Fiona and Shrek more than uh, Reese and Sarah Connor. Yes, completely. It's definitely a way more believable like love story. Is our final two really gonna be the Cat in the Hat versus Shrek? It's the Mike Myers assance. Not if you not if you start debating. I wanna I wanna kind of push Terminator here. Uh, I, I think the impact of Shrek is gigantic, and I think it's a big reason why I've continued to advocate it for as far as I have. <clears throat> but I think Terminator also has its own uh, impact of sorts, uh, not only on like action movies, but on time travel movies as well. I think we looked it up. This was like right before uh, same year as Back to the Future. Uh, a little bit after. I oh, I know it was the year before. Sorry. Terminator kind of launched time travel movies, which pushed sci-fi in a in a new direction. And I, I mean, look at the modern blockbusters we have now. I mean, uh, Avengers Endgame. The only reason that movie works, at least as a sequel to Infinity War, is because of how they rely on time travel to fix the timeline and and things you, you look at where the mcu is heading and a lot of it has to do with multiverses and multiple timelines and in that movie in that movie they reference terminator and back to the future right presenting audiences with the concept of there being this this sacred predetermination or timeline that needs to happen or turn of events that need to happen is a very very uh, uh heady and crucial element to uh, Terminator that makes audiences think while also enjoying an entertaining uh, uh, crowd pleasing and I think blow for blow I think more people would enjoy Shrek if these movies were playing as like a double feature but I also think it's got a bigger pool of people that can relate to it because everyone's uh, familiar with fairy tales and uh, would love to see a, a comedy movie with uh, people making or with these strong characters making fun of the tropes within that that genre but I think uh, the Terminator is the better movie I think it has a incredible 
story and incredible lore all in a compact 90 something minute runtime and is incredibly well directed and has paved the way for modern blockbusters. It redefined what an action hero looked like in the 1980s, which is huge. Introducing Arnold Schwarzenegger to the mainstream as an actor and not as a person was a gigantic thing for this movie. And I don't really think besides uh, creating a rival studio that proved it was worth its own, Shrek didn't really introduce anything new. It just saw the writing on the wall of where the the animated industry was uh, going and made a great movie within those confines. Uh, I think the Terminator is has to win here for me. I, I agree. I think the Terminator has a cultural staying power. Like both of these movies have cultural staying power, but I think that one of them, i.e. Terminator, has cultural staying power that... Hey, they both only... They're both franchises with only two good movies. That's true. That's true. After Shrek, the, the, the animated franchise of movies, there hasn't been a movie like Shrek. Hoodwinked is like Shrek. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, we're not going to talk about Hoodwinked. No, it is like Shrek. It is very similar. Hoodwinked would win this bracket. It's similar, but it's not as good. Terminator, however, has reinvented the sci-fi. Okay, we already said all that. Okay, Alden, they did mention the MCU, which is a point against them, right? That's the rule. Uh, yes, it is. It's a point against them. <laughs> Not only just because it's MCU. I don't care. The fact that Terminator was mentioned in the movie as a reference to time travel in pop culture, and then they ignore the rules that they set up for time travel is another knock against Terminator. No, because in the MCU, they had to create their own rules for time travel, otherwise... And then they broke them. No, because otherwise their movie wouldn't work. If they uh, if they adopt did it work no no it didn't <laughs> if the if they adopted the version of time travel that Back to the Future set up it wouldn't work the movie wouldn't work if they adopted the version of time travel that Terminator set up it wouldn't work they had to adopt their own but the fact that they they ventured to mention those both versions is bold and also making a pop culture reference is bold okay. No, it's not that it's it's not that it's it's if we want to talk about pop culture references, the king of pop culture reference movies is Shrek, Sakula. I don't care if an MCU movie makes an 80s reference. Are you fucking kidding me? It's not about it's you talk the whole time. I'm going to be Kanye West. I'm going to let you finish in a second. Shrek has made pop culture references and clever writing with pop culture a-list celebrities while something like endgame referenced it just to just to get people like you to talk about it for 45 minutes for no reason no and the terminator i think is a great movie i just talked about how it was in my top 10 but the, you have this argument for it the more i want to vote against it because of how it's being represented the terminator is a sci-fi horror movie nobody has mentioned the word horror during this round for some reason everybody how suspenseful that movie is we've talked about horror a lot what are you talking about the line i'll be back has been probably more has been probably it's probably up there with uh i am your father as one of the most referenced like lines that also wasn't brought up these are better points you could have brought up to win this but i'm voting shrek just because i'm better <laughs> look the reason that endgame brought up those movies is not as a pop culture reference <laughs> Yeah. Why are you going back to the MCU? Yeah, that was the worst thing about the R argument. I don't think we need to continue talking about it. They brought it up, not as a pop culture reference, as a pop culture touchstone. Because 
the the uh, the Terminator movies and the Back to the Future movies bring up valid excuses and reasons and explanations for what time travel should do in the reality of our universe. But the MCU explains them in a way that makes more sense in a logical sense. Talking about your movie anymore. It, it would definitely make more sense. It would be easier to digest if they didn't break the rules that they tried to introduce in this one singular movie. They didn't break the rules. Like Doctor Who somehow has kept to their rules more than Endgame. Fuck Doctor Who. We're not Doctor Who didn't reference Terminator. We're saying actually, well, yeah. <laughs> they they reference Terminator in the way that they're saying that that version of time travel is wrong and that's not to say that it's actually wrong but that's to say that the reason they brought it up was that way they could explain why their version of time travel is right to explain it in that universe makes perfect sense because in their version of time travel you can't go through time and then come back through time and say that was the past. No, it wasn't. That was your future. That makes perfect sense. All right. Well, I have a hit against Terminator real quick in reference to Doctor Who yet again. Oh, my God. I think Terminator exists only because Doctor Who has the Cybermen. And the first instance of the Cybermen was in 1966. Wrong. So wrong. Um, Josh, I have a I have a question for you uh, specifically. I know that Shrek isn't your favorite Shrek movie, but I do know that Terminator is your favorite Terminator movie. So are you saying that Shrek as a franchise is stronger than that of Terminator as a franchise? Oh, absolutely. What? As much as we could shit on Shrek 3 and 4, I haven't watched Genesis. I refuse to watch Genesis. <laughs> That's fair. I will not. And, like, I'm sure I'll watch it one day, but I, the fact that I have No, you shouldn't. Nate, you put up a weaker argument for Terminator than I did. No, no, he didn't. He, he just asked me a question, Sakula. He wasn't making an argument. Yeah, he brought up Genesis. I brought up Genesis. No, 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 no. And then me and Alden saw Dark Fate, and I never felt so, like, offended in a movie. <sighs> they they do not care about its lore, at least with Shrek. Like, they're cons like when it comes to, like, their characters and that, they're, like, consistent with it. Even if Illumination wants to reboot it or whatever, there's no way. No way it's going to mess up its franchise like Terminator. Even Terminator 3, that ending is... One of the biggest bro moments in a franchise. Are you kidding me? The way Terminator 3 ends? Why don't we just compare the original Terminator versus the original Shrek? Okay, I will say the original Shrek has a better soundtrack. God damn it, Nate. That soundtrack is great. God damn it, Nate. Shrek wins. And here it is, the the Mike Myers movies bracket finale. I, oh, wait, I mean, <laughs> the movies we talked about in 2021. <laughs> We've got Cat in the Hat versus Shrek. Shrek. Obviously. It's obviously Shrek. Is it? If it was Shrek 2, it would obviously be Shrek. But I think these are very, like, close together. I agree. It's clearly Shrek. This is not a competition. If it was Shrek versus Cat in the Hat, we could fight about this. It's fucking Shrek. Do you think Shrek has better bits than Cat in the Hat? Because I don't, I don't know. The cooking sequence in Cat in the Hat is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the character dynamics in Shrek are better than the character dynamics in Cat in the Hat. I think that the world design and the way that the the story evolves is better. 
in Shrek. I think the villain in Cat in the Hat is scarier than the villain in Shrek. Based. From his inception, uh, Farquaad is kind of like a joke of a villain. Like, and I think that that's definitely the point. Yeah. But I, I think that Alec Baldwin being this like two-faced uh, guy who's infiltrating this family is something on the lines of Cape Fear. It's kind of terrifying because he's able to uh, woo the children's mother to send Conrad off to military school and really just financially ruin the family next door is, is something that I think is is. Uh, much higher stake than ostracizing the uh, fairy tale creatures to Shrek Swamp. And at the end of the day, it's not really like a huge deal for anyone but Shrek, and that's why he goes on the journey that he does. But Cat in the Hat is, is it's about family. And that's what's so special about it. It's definitely Shrek here. Okay, I do want to compare the Mike Myers performances. What the first Shrek lacks is we don't see Mike Myers. It's like the animation of Shrek is iconic. But in Cat in the Hat, you get to see Mike Myers just do his thing, be funny, use physical comedy. It's all great. Um, It's just like stuff with the Austin Powers movies. That is definitely a point I could give it over Cat in the Hat. Shrek probably has the better supporting cast. Oh, definitely. Cat in the Hat, I mean, doesn't really need that. It's really Mike Myers' movie. It's interesting to say that because he's not even in the whole movie. Well, I think you got two really competent child performances there, too. It is funny, too, with the, you're fired! Uh, the constant hand sanitizer is uh, is funny. A little too real. That's all great. It holds up. The use of the colors and the environment, like we said before, like it's so vibrant and so much more inviting than, say, like a, like a live-action Grinch movie. I think there's a lot there's a lot to appreciate, and I think in the year of 2021, you have to look at the diamonds in the rough, and that's exactly what Cat in the Hat is. I think that Shrek is the definition of a diamond in the rough. Ow, it won Best Picture. It was the first ever animated Best Picture. Sure, it won Best Picture, but it always gets, like, the meme, like, excuse of, like, oh, yeah, Shrek is good, but it's a meme. It won It won Best Animated Feature, guys. It didn't win Best Picture, but uh, go on. That's what I meant. Maybe it should have won Best Picture. It won one <laughs> Best Picture that year. Uh, what was that? 2002 Oscars. Shrek is the clear winner here. Maybe what won it? Maybe it shouldn't. I'm just looking at the nominees, and it doesn't say the winner for some reason on Google. It was a uh, beautiful mind. Okay. Fellowship of the Ring is also on here. I thought that was the year of Crash, and I was about to give that award right to Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I do love Smash Mouth. I have to say the better Smash Mouth song is in Cat in the Hat than Shrek. All Stars the All Stars the hit. Whoa my god. Um yeah. But Getting Better is a better song. Yeah. Smash Mouth is in this. This is insane. Yeah, Smash Mouth is in Cat in the Hat. That little pop montage thing that they have when they're cleaning up the house where it's a it's a par- it's a parody of other Smash Mouth songs. Smash Mouth just best friends with Mike Myers. I think they were best friends with Universal. <laughs> they were on their record label, so they just threw them in everything. For God, that was Smash Mouth. That is a good song. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the soundtrack is... It's got a fun... It's got a fun score. The fact that you had to be reminded that there was Smash Mouth music in Cat in the Hat. There's so many... There's so many great things going on in that movie, it's hard to keep up. Let me tell you. Oh, 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 that's your excuse? 
even though you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it until now. You didn't even know it. The bit where he goes to the party and like it just so happens everyone's wearing the same hat as him and he gets his hat mixed up. And right before that where he's dressed as like a Greenpeace hippie trying to get Alec Baldwin to sign that document with <laughs> yeah. like the two hand the two armed pen to get the dog. <laughs> The dog retrieval in a movie about a cat is just... Look, out of all of the movies that I would lose sleep over, I can understand almost any of these. Even Terminator versus fucking Shrek. Or Prestige versus fucking Cat in the Hat. Look, I feel like at this point, neither of these are consequential to you. No, but they are. Because at this point, I am invested that Shrek is a thousand percent better than Cat in the Hat. I think that Cat in the Hat is a be- is a fan-fucking-tastic movie that deserves the recognition that it needs to get. But Shrek has the lasting cultural impact above Cat in the Hat. It deserves to win. Cat in the Hat does not have that. It does have some good interaction between the cast, but it does not have the same cast like chemistry that Shrek has. What would you be more excited for right now? Shrek 5 or Cat in the Hat 2? Shrek 5. Because I think we're getting a Shrek 5 and it's Illumination. Why would I be excited for that? <laughs> I, I don't think I want to see either of those, if I'm being completely honest. But a Cat in the Hat 2 would definitely turn some heads. I think one thing that's really interesting about these two movies specifically is how contrasting their uh, cr- critical and like reception was uh, for off the bat. Like, Shrek was a runaway critical success. And Cat in the Hat, which I think tonally, these movies are very similar. Cat in the Hat is a live-action cartoon, and Shrek is uh, a, a literal animated movie. Both are based on kids' books. But Cat in the Hat was dead on arrival, bombed critically, uh, did all right in the box office, but... I mean, the fact that the director hasn't made a feature movie since is, like, mind-blowing. Especially since he was Tim Burton's art director for, like, six movies. Like, this dude was incredible. And uh, I'm surprised that that Universal and the Seuss estate just absolutely hates this movie. It makes me want to fight for it so much more. Weird that that's where they drew the line. Yes, it is. It really is. I, I don't think there was ever going to be a timeline where Cat in the Hat, as as this movie's interpretation of it, was going to be uh, something the size of Shrek. But I'm surprised that it was, uh, you know, erased from pop culture as soon as it showed up. <laughs> I, I don't think it deserves to be erased from pop culture. I just don't think that it deserves to go above Shrek in the list of what... It's kind of fucking amazing that we've gone this far in the conversation. To me, to be honest. I, I, I think that Shrek deserves this more than uh cat in the hat by a light year uh i don't think it does because it got an academy award whereas cat in the hat like nate just said was erased and because it didn't get an academy award it deserves to go above shrek even though it deserves its recognition right now we're here now cat in the hat is better than shrek just to make sure that it's that it's at least uh not 50 50 all right my hat is in the ring for cat in the hat wow I'm in Shrek. I agree with Nate. Cat in the Hat. This was Shrek 2. I would be picking Shrek 2, but it's not, so Cat in the Hat. Holy shit. In 20 years, when Cat in the Hat is put in the Criterion Collection, there will be a laurel on the back that reads, uh, winner of uh, Duel of the Takes Season 2's Best Picture. And for me, that warms my heart quite a bit. Thank you, everyone, for 
checking out Duel of the Takes, not just today, but all season long. Uh, I think that this was a great way to celebrate the uh, roller coaster of a year we've had. I would like to say something about season two. Yes, Josh, please do. There's been a lot of changes, uh, a lot more changes than I think any of us thought season two was going to bring on. For every single person that has still kept up any changes we made to how we presented the podcast or new guests or new hosts, if you're still here and you've been watching the past two seasons... Thank you so much. It truly means a lot. I think I could speak for everybody that it is awesome that uh, Duel the Takes does have a following and that we can continue it with a such a loyal fan base. Like, it truly means so much to all of us. I, I've been watching since you guys started this. Um, obviously, I haven't seen every single episode, but I'm grateful and honored to be here as as far as I have been. What you guys have created is an incredible show, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Hey, thank you. I think you're honestly within the list of top five hosts. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, Alden, you have any uh, closing thoughts for season two of Duel of the Tigs? Uh, Yeah, this is my bracket. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> With the exception of Terminator beating out Sorry to Bother You, this is my bracket. So I think season one, it was very apparent that me and Jory won. Season two really was the Alden season. Woo! All right, everyone. We'll see you next year. Bye for now.